You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we talk to Jane Garifo Springer about her journey in business and how she took advantage of opportunities to keep progressing in her career and as an entrepreneur. Jane Garifo Springer is a full-time resident, rental landlord, and competitive dressage rider in Wellington, Florida, with a passion for horses, the equestrian community, and thriving small businesses. Jane has three daughters and values their quality time together. Jane's passion for business surfaced through the years in her entrepreneurial ventures. She was an owner and operator of multiple restaurants in New York. She eventually became a co-buyer and assistant to the CEO of a technology company. Between 1992 and 2012, while splitting time between New York and Florida, Jane contributed to the success of many businesses, including acting as co-owner of Computer Logic Group while still owning and running Sport Horses by Springer, as well as owning rental properties. Jane is currently a co-owner of a technology business. She has also pursued a career as a rider, trainer, and owner of a horse show boarding facility. Jane has been active pursuing her passion in the equestrian community. Starting out as a hunter-jumper rider and trainer, eventually Jane became a competitive Grand Prix dressage rider and has since been awarded bronze, silver, and gold medals. Living full-time in Wellington, Jane has a passion for bridging the equestrian community to the business vitality of the community to promote prosperity for everyone who lives in and loves Wellington as much as she does. Jane was recently named to the Board of Directors of the Wellington Chamber of Commerce and chairs the Wellington Chamber Equestrian Committee. Join us at the 2023 Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular on July 11th through 16th at White Hollow Farm in Stillwater, New York. With this year's theme of wellness, prosperity, and wisdom, you can hear from speakers, listen to panels, participate in activities, and network at our cocktail party. Mark your calendar to save the dates now and stay tuned to hear more from equestrian businesswomen about the schedule and exciting news to come. Hi, Jane. Uh, It's great to have you here today um, to talk about yourself and your business and, um, you know, what your career has looked like through the years that, you know, we talked to lots of different women who have had various career paths that have kind of either, um, you know, brought them back to the equestrian world or, you know, they've, they were in horses and, um, and, you know, went back to it as a job. So we're excited to hear about your journey as well. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's nice to meet both you lovely ladies. <laughs> Thanks. Your bio is quite extensive and <laughs> with lots of experience in business. So I thought that maybe we could kind of talk, start out talking about some business practices that you use um, and that you've used and seen a theme throughout all the businesses that you've been involved with. Sure. Well, I have had an extensive career in my own businesses. And I'll give you a little bit of insight. I started my first business or got into my first business at the age of 19. Um, And then every so decade or so, you know, would sell the business and something else would come along. And I 
think the one thread that carries through on all of them was number one, liking what you do. I always had a passion and an interest in the businesses that I partook in and then expanded. And um, obviously, I learned a lot from being a 19-year-old up until my last business, which I started with my husband at the time in our 40s. And so a lot was learned over the years. So a lot of changes and a lot of uh, similarities and a lot of things that we had to tweak along the way. (laughs) But I think the biggest thing that I learned over all those years was the people that are around you and the people you surround yourself with, um, the goals. And number one was customer service because they were all customer service businesses that I was in. Mm. So if that that answers that question, because there's obviously a lot that goes into it. Yeah. 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 And uh, interesting about it being so much um, of the service industry that you were in and the customer service part of that. I was kind of wondering about that while I was reading your bio. And I was wondering if there is like anything you could myth bust for people about the service industry. Like, you know, sometimes you hear people say, oh, the customer isn't always right or the customer is always right. Or is there there anything that you can add to that to say like that, that was the key to the customer service? Well, for sure, obviously, there are instances where you're dealing with people that are a bit more difficult. And that's when it comes into play of having a good leader and role model, because that, in essence, is a good salesperson. Uh, And they know how to turn that around and make a negative situation a more positive situation. And that takes a a good leader, like I said, and good personality. Um, One thing I would like to add, because a lot of sales is involved in many of these different industries, is one of the reasons myself and my businesses were so successful because I never forgot the people behind the scenes. The people Mm -hmm. behind the scenes so many times and so many interests do not get the validation and the notice that they should and recognition. And that was one thing that I really tried to stress in any and all of whatever business opportunities I had in businesses was give them the recognition and make sure that they felt that their services were appreciated and rewarded for that because it doesn't always go to the salespeople. It's the people behind the scenes that make it work for them. Mm -hmm. So that was very huge to give them that recognition, which I think was a common thread for all the successes that I did have. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about that some on other it's like a common theme on the podcast about the people that you surround yourself with and having, you know, the right people that are working with you and, and you have to kind of know what you don't know and get the right people in those places to, you know, make a business better and work better. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you have them, like you say, treating them right and, uh, and recognizing their contributions. And what was the first business when you were 19? The first business I had when I was 19 was a coffee shop, a coffee shop in a building right across from an airport. So it became successful right away because it was a much needed business and it was in a corporate area Mm -hmm. besides the, the airport itself. And then, 
then it just grew from there from restaurants and then into technology and finance and yeah but everything was kind of except for the the restaurant and the service industry there everything else kind of developed after that as i got a little bit older and more educated and you know college and things like that so mm. Yeah, I, and I, I did think it was interesting that you had um, like restaurant and then to technology company. Like, okay. how how did that transition happen? Like, was there an interest that you developed from the restaurant industry that put you in interested in technology, or is it just? It was when technology started booming, and then I put myself back into college to learn mm-hmm. the technology industry mm-hmm. because I saw where it was going and okay. it was just it was foresight on my end it was like you know what I see this is going somewhere it's taking off and then I went back to college learned the basics that I needed to know to get into it and then just took off from there so yeah so did you have um, experience in the corporate world then would you say your technology business was uh, more entrepreneurial or was it more corporate well, my larger business that I did with my ex-husband was a corporate business. It's a, a business of technology, and we did all the New York City school system. So that was very corporate, yes. Yeah. So, oh, okay. And, and there, so, there's a lot of other little avenues we took, but that was the main brunt of the business, yeah. Yeah, so you've had um, experience on both sides of being an entrepreneur as well as being in the corporate world. Yes. Yeah. So what kind of skills do you think people can use that are transferable between those? Because, you know, we have people who who want to maybe break out into their own business, but they're working in a corporate job right now. And so what can you recommend to them that have some solid skills underneath them? Well, what worked for me, and this was where my entrepreneurial spirit came into play, is whenever I was making money and success for all these people above me and around me, I'm like, why am I doing this for them? Why am I not doing it for myself? <laughs> yeah. So I used to pay really close attention to the job that I would be integrated in. And I would try to do different things within those companies. Uh, like, for example, the first tech company I worked for, I worked in the service department. Then I worked in the buying department. Then I was the assistant to one of the CEOs. So I had a really good feel of all the different departments. And then I ended up marrying the top salesman. So I really, to me, it was a no brainer. I'm like, why are we doing this? We know everything. We do everything here. And then we did. And it was you know, very successful. Yeah. 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 But you have to kind of have that mindset, you know, because not everybody does. You just, my mind was always ticking away like, okay, you know, what's next? What can we do? How do we make this work? Mm-hmm. If this fails, we need another avenue to go down. So you have to have backup plans. Mm-hmm. You have to take risks. You can't be afraid of taking, you know, calculated risk. You don't want to just take a risk that's just willy nilly, mm-hmm. but that goes into the mindset of somebody who can be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Some people aren't cut out for it because, you know, it can be, it can be a bit hairy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, going back to when you went back to college, how old were you when you went back? Oh, I was in my early twenties. Okay. Really young. Yeah. Just took a few years to, to work first. Yep. And do you find that there's any formula when, seeking out business opportunities? Um, like, how did you, I guess, put yourself in place to be ready for those opportunities when they came around? Well, 
I, you know, I was very fortunate that it was kind of the old saying, you're in the right space at that particular time. And Mm -hmm. it just presented itself. And when you see a door open, sometimes you've got to stick a foot in that door and go for it. And that's Mm -hmm. where a little bit of the risk comes into play, which I would see those opportunities. And there was things that I passed up along the way that I was like, no, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. But when I saw something come my way that I had an interest in, that I had some sort of a passion and like a knowledge about, I was like, let's, let's go, let's give it a try, you know? So without taking that risk of giving it a try, you're never going to get anywhere, right? What's the worst thing that can happen if you ask for something, right? Somebody says no, and then you try again. Yeah. 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 We've talked about that before as well of, you know, being ready and, um, you know, things don't always come around and being able to recognize something and then being ready to say, yes, I I can do this now. Yeah. and I think that's hard for a lot of people to do uh, and be sure in their decisions, because like you said, many people are risk averse and <laughs> don't want to, you know, quit their job or move across the country or yeah. go into something that they don't feel like they know 100%. So yeah. I've done all those things you just said. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, even in conversation and networking, networking is a big thing. And you meet people along the way. And then I would hear or have a conversation with somebody. And then I'd be like, you know what? I'm really interested in, in what you have to say. And maybe we can get together and go further with that. Mm-hmm. And that brought me into actually a financial business that I'm in right now here in Wellington with people that are, you know, in South Florida here. In, okay. in a, a smaller financial, I'm retired now from <laughs> all the big corporate stuff, but I still keep my you know, my fingers wet in the financial industry. So, okay, yeah, yeah, it, it's that's actually funny because uh, there was an instance this weekend. I was at um, a conference and I was doing some networking with some other sales reps, and. One of them is an expert in dental on even small animals, on horses and everything. She's a licensed vet tech. And she was talking about how she wanted to start a business because apparently there's a lot of people who breed bunnies and bunnies uh, is like a big business, which I didn't know. I also at one point didn't know that like cats, breeding cats was a big business. But anyway, she was talking about how somebody needs to have like a mobile unit for these bunnies to go to the shows because they they do their dentals like twice a year and it's like eight hundred dollars and i was like wow maybe i should invest in maybe that's something i should invest in i was like i'll buy a mobile unit there you go and they're quite they're soft and cute and cuddly right they can bite though man i had a mean bunny when i was a kid oh okay (laughs) i had nice bunnies okay (laughs) yeah so anyway i mean you never know where like somebody might come up with an idea that you have known nothing about is you know in networking for sure yeah <laughs> yep. yep so that's where a lot of opportunities came along yeah uh-huh. yeah what do you think is the best way to take advantage of something once you see it um i think conversation with that person uh just for an example the financial stuff that i'm involved with now are a few different men that came from Wall Street that are retired down here. And it was a group of men that just did 
financial things and loans and things like that. And it took me a couple of years to get myself integrated into that. And finally, when the door opened up, and it wasn't the best opportunity, the first one, but it was my foot in the door. So I had to jump in, take advantage of it. And now I'm the first and only woman in this group right now and the youngest one in the group right now. So it's it turned out to be a really good opportunity for me. And these guys are still here, but now we really all work together closely and they value my opinion and they come to me for advice and they ask me to watch over the things that are my strong point that they are a little bit weaker in that area. So it's been good. It's been really exciting. So you have to look for those opportunities. Mm. Are you comfortable doing something that you don't know a lot about? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I am. I kind of go in there with an open mind and I'm not afraid to say, okay, you know, let me take it all in and be a little bit more of an observer and learn along the way. Although I will never let them know that there's a fear factor there or mm. I lack confidence that I don't, especially as a woman, I don't show that, yeah. you know, so, as yeah. you guys know. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things that we do not do or cannot do at this point in time still. Yeah. So, do you yeah. feel like that? Has it, has it changed at all for you throughout the years? Um, it has changed, but I still see uh, quite a lot of it still going on and mm-hmm. I pay attention to it. And, you know, I try to address it mildly because you don't want to give them more ammunition to throw at you, you know, as mm-hmm. a, they'll throw at women this and women that and women this. So I, I'm more diplomatic about it, you know, mm-hmm. so. But yeah, you pay attention to it and you see it and you still hear it, but it's better. Yeah. It's better. And And now we can stand up for ourselves more. Right. Yeah. And there's lots more ways to do that and to be able to, and to have support behind you. I think, you know, yeah. Whether it be with laws or, yeah, or what have you. But um, do you think that was in general? Or do you think it was because of the types of businesses you were in, like technology and finance are so male-dominated? Do you, or do you think it's well, just that, in general? That could, well, I grew up with four brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so I was very comfortable around men my whole life. So yeah. that may have been an advantage to me because I never really got intimidated by them. Although I had to handle them because, you know, men sometimes go off in different avenues where they shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to learn, which I didn't, I'm sure you ladies have all experienced what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to negotiate yourself in that arena. So it's a positive outcome for you and you kind of put them in their place as mm-hmm. diplomatically as you can. Mm-hmm. So. And then be able to stay on board, you know, you don't want to ruffle their feathers where right now they're trying to get rid of you now because (laughs) you ruffled their feathers. So, yeah. Hmm. Do you do a lot of research behind the businesses, uh, like on the computer, or you just talk to people mostly to figure out if it's something that you want to get into? Well, you know, in my earlier days, computers weren't as big an asset as they are now. So now in technology, as you guys all know. Uh, we have so much more at the, our fingertips. Back then, it was more networking and going to different functions and 
getting your name out there and what you did and who knows you and people giving you a positive uh, referral that really, you know, 20 years, 20, 30 years ago, that was the most important thing. So that's still important, but now you have, you can take advantage of other avenues now as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of stuff, maybe you are able to find more things now, but I still think that that personal recommendation or personal connection means so much more than if you were to just reach out digitally, you know, and, and if you have people behind you who are saying, yes, you know, that you have this, um, you know, uh, ability to do something, then it means more. Sure. Well, now this financial business that I, I work with these other gentlemen, you know, one of them is a dear friend of mine and he knew my background and he knew my background in the equestrian world. And, you know, people Google you and they find out about you. And so he gave me and these people that I work with all these referrals and say, listen, she has done as much or more than the rest of us. And she's been successful her whole life. And she's got the she's got what we need, so let's give it a go, you know. Mm. So he was a big advocate for me, which you know was came through networking again. So yeah. Right. And and when you see the opportunities, do you make the decisions kind of on your by yourself or do you talk to anybody about it? Not all by myself. Do you make them myself? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like sometimes you ask so many opinions that you get bogged down by everybody else's. So yeah. being able to, to like kind of make it yourself. Yeah. Sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I do the research and then I, I, I weigh the risk factors and how much, and how much I'm going to be involved and how much do I want to be involved and what my goal is to get involved. And those are kind of some of the things I think about before I make that final decision. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's not just off the cuff, but you know, it comes up my own thought process. Like you said, I don't really, I really don't give anyone else that power to make that decision. Yeah, it's my decision. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there are similar similarities between all of the businesses that you've had? Um. Well, the only similarities are. The workload, you know, the amount of time and effort and passion and goals you put into it, and what what you're really, what the want is, you know, because mm-hmm. some of them were more goal oriented, and then when you reached a certain goal, you would sell the business because it's not ultimately what you wanted for long term. So once you made a successful business, I kind of look at it as real estate because I've been very involved in real estate also my whole life, buying and selling my own properties and rental properties. And that's what I would do. I would buy. And then when I'd see the market as high or as high as I think it's going to go, and it was a good time, then it was time to sell and turn that into something else. So Mm -hmm. kind of the same with the business. You know, I I kind of look for, and I pay attention to when something's starting to not feel right. Now might be the time to get out and reinvest somewhere else and do something else. So, What are some of the biggest challenges you face when you're kind of making that decision to get out and move into a different industry or a different business? Ooh, good question. Uh, I would say financial, 
Mm. Because sometimes you have to put financial into it and you have to weigh the pros and cons. And, you know, if you're going to, if it's a risk and you're going to take a loss, how much of a loss are you comfortable with? And can you (laughs) rebound from if you take that loss? Mm -hmm. So that plays a lot into my decision. That exact thing that I just said, if there's a loss, how much of a loss, a loss can I afford to do and still be able to rebound somewhere else? Right. Yeah, because I don't want to go bankrupt and have nothing. You know? Right, <laughs> right. Do Do you have multiple businesses going on then at the same time that you're? Balancing? I have in the past. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. We know we've kind of touched on your equestrian background. Can you talk a little bit about how horses have played a role in your life? Yeah. Well, I've been riding horses since I'm ten years old, so that's been my number one love and passion. And horses were my therapy. Yeah. So, I mean, I did buy and sell a little bit and did other things within the industry. But once, you know, I had a horse and multiple horses, they were part of the family for life. So selling horses was not a good business fit for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're a collector. Yeah. I don't know if you know, you know, my my bio on that, but I'm a Grand Prix dressage rider and I came from the hunter jumper world and been riding my whole life and have Robert Dover, who is a six time Olympian and an amazing friend. He really gave me the journey of a lifetime. That was my college education with him on horses. He brought me to levels that I couldn't have gotten to without him. He was another opportunity for me and that door opened to crack and I stuck my foot in there and jumped in and that's how I got to where I got in that industry so and then it brought me to the chamber of commerce you know so yeah how long have you been in Wellington I made the move here permanently 10 years ago Mm -hmm. but I was a snowbird for 10 years before that I used to come down for the winter and competed down here um you know, at uh, the various shows. And when I divorced and my kids, I have three girls. When all my kids were off to college and on their own, it was time for me to make the move. So, nice. yeah. That's my dream. I want to be down there at some point. Uh, okay. <laughs> where are you guys from? Where Where am I talking to you from? I'm in New York. Oh, I love New York. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. So still love New York. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, so you're right up the road, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love it here, but when, you know, can't you can take the girl out of New York, you can't take New York out of the girl. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Sure. Or the accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, in you know, in your equestrian career, that's kind of led you to be a part of. Um, yeah, you know the equestrian community and the and the Wellington Chamber of Commerce. How do you work with them, and and what are some of the things that you are doing now? Well, so it was an interesting transition when I made the move permanently down here, and I was involved obviously when I was up in New York. All these businesses, the equestrian world, and the business world. So when I made the move here. I said, let me get involved with the community here because I was always community oriented. And I joined the Women of Wellington group. And I guess as soon as I joined the group and they took a look at my resume, the equestrian committee approached me and they said, 
and it's by invitation only. We'd love to have you become a part of our equestrian committee because obviously you are one of our more decorated uh, equestrians who've ever been on this committee. So mm -hmm. I was honored and I said, I'd love to. And then after I was there a year, they approached me and they said, would you consider being the chairwoman for this committee? And I was honored and I said, I would love to. Mm -hmm. And I've just been nominated and accepted a position to be on the board of directors for the Chamber of Commerce now. So what I've done and what we strive to do within the chamber is bridge the gap because there is a bit of a gap here in Wellington between the equestrian community and the general population. Mm -hmm. And the equestrian community brings so much into this community that they don't take advantage of. Um, I think in the past it was a little bit of fear of being intimidated and they didn't feel like they were accepted because they weren't a part of it. And that's not the case at all. Um, so we've really been doing a lot of interacting and benefits and events and a lot of our small business owners, as well as the community are starting to come and see what goes on here. And they love it. They're like, we had no idea. And we said, yep, take advantage. It's here for everyone to enjoy. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been going in a really positive way. So we want to keep growing on that. So and how do you I'm having a good time doing it? I love it. It's fun. Yeah. And is it volunteer position? It's a volunteer position. Yeah. And how do you think that adds to, you know, what you're doing in terms of um, your business and, you know, what does it do to fulfill you? Well, I think it's a good way for me to give back. Mm. Um it's a good way for me to be in touch with as well as the equestrians, which I'm so familiar and I have so many friends down here, which made the transition from New York to Wellington so easy for me. Um, the fact that there's opportunities when you're with the Chamber of Commerce. Now, here I am integrating myself into the business communities again. Right. And uh, if a business opportunity showed up and... I saw there was something there to go forward. I might jump in and say, okay, here's something else I could do besides that. Right. And I think it's just, just tying the two together. It, it just, I want to see both communities do well. I want to see the equestrians enjoy the general community and the general community and all the small businesses enjoy the Wellington equestrians, which bring a lot of really unique, great things into this community from all over the world. It's just mm. You know, when we have an Olympic year, like next year's an Olympic year, it is just buzzing down here. Right. To be part of the excitement and the buzz and, you know, everything that's going forward is just, to me, very exciting. Right. So, yeah. I actually didn't realize there was um, such a disconnect between the community and the equestrian community until we had our networking brunch. And there was a woman who came to the networking brunch who had a small business. And I think it was um, some kind of juicing business or something. And she had not uh, ever been to the, to what ever like <laughs> crazy right scene where we had you know was having this we were having this networking brunch and she signed up for it and she came and you know i think she had a great time but it was like she was walking around like oh my god i have to bring my kids like i was yep. taking pictures i had mm -hmm. no idea and i was like really 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we're such horse people, right? Like we we know about it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the best business advice that you can share with our listeners? The best business advice. So now I have three daughters and two of them are very entrepreneurial. And the third one is two, actually. She just started her own business. Um, my best advice is the same advice I gave to them is you, as a woman, you really should put yourself in your interest as important as the other people around you. You know, as, as a young entrepreneur, I always was the woman or the wife that supported my husband in our businesses. And if I could go back to my 19 year old self, I'd say, you don't need a man to do it with. You can do it on your own. <laughs> and that's what I've taught my daughters. And I think that's the message I'd like to get out to women that you don't need a man to do it. You know, it's nice to have partners sometime, but don't be afraid to do it on your own, you know? Mm. So. And is there an important lesson you've learned along the way as well? That's the most important. That is the one. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm doing what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, go, being goal oriented and, and go, I listen to, listen to your gut, you know, as you guys know, when you get that feeling, especially as a woman or woman's intuition or whatever you want to call it, when you get that bad feeling and that comes involved with looking at the risks and things like that, when something's telling you no, it's a no for me. Mm -hmm. It's a no for me because there's something that's saying there's something not right here. So trust your, trust your instincts. So, but don't yeah. be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, I mean, look at, unless it's just something you really don't like, you know, just don't get involved with it. But you have to like it. Obviously it's gotta be something that interests you. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the most important message is, you know, like it and have people around you that support you and always go up a level. <laughs> always, you know, surround yourself with people and don't be afraid that they might be, you know, uh, in a different social class or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's where you want to go. There's, you know, drive yourself up, mm. reach for the stars, go for it. You know, it's funny. I recently heard somebody say, if it's not a heck yes, then it's a no. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> Hey, yeah. a lot like I don't know how involved with horses you guys are, but when I was a jumper rider, it was throw your heart over the fence and go for it. There's yeah. no hesitation. You can't hesitate. Yeah. You know, when you're going towards a, a three and a half foot fence or higher, you're throwing your heart over and you're going for it because otherwise that horse knows and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so the same thing with business. You got to just, you know, go for it. You got to go for it. If you're going to get involved, you got to go for it. You can't do it half, half baked. So. Yeah. Do you think you've always been like that? Has it always been easy for you to say no to something that you didn't think would work? Hmm. Well, I'm I'm really good at saying no now. Yeah. <laughs> so that comes with years of experience. I think back in my younger days, I might have been a little bit more wishy-washy about things and maybe taken a risk or two more than that I would now. Mm -hmm. um, but that was, that comes with experience, yeah. you know, and you can, I mean, you know, I told you I have three daughters. You can talk to your blue in the face and until they learn it the hard way, they're not going to get it. So. <laughs> yeah. So, but well, 
Um, so we really enjoyed talking to you um, about your journey and experience in business. Uh, and at the end of each episode, we ask the same four questions to every guest. And Connor starts with the first. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Um, one, be, be goal oriented. Go for those goals. Have goal always. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Networking, social, meeting yeah. people. Yep. <laughs> What's your favorite horse movie? Secretariat. <laughs> ah, that's a good that's one. A good one. Yeah. And who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? You know, one of my dear friends, Catherine Bates and Chandler. Yeah is a writer and a dear friend of mine and she's somewhat of an entrepreneur herself in different areas. I think she would be a great guest. Yeah. I'd love to talk to her. She's so much fun. Yeah. Awesome. She'd be great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it. It was lovely meeting you ladies. It was an honor. I appreciate the opportunity and I look forward to hearing your podcast. Awesome. Thank you. I like talking to Jane. Um, she seems like a very no-nonsense woman <laughs> when it <Yeah>. comes to <laughs> probably everything that she does, um, you know, as a businesswoman, as a mom, as a writer. Um, so it was cool to hear, you know, how she has taken advantage of so many things that have come her way, even if she didn't know a ton about it. Like she said, she didn't know a lot about technology, but she you know, went back to college and learned and then was able to really move up the ladder in that industry, um, which was cool to hear about. And I think so many people, you know, hold themselves back because they feel like they don't know um, what they're doing or they don't know anything about it and don't feel like they want to take that leap. And, you know, she's, She said it's calculated risks, and I think that's the important part (laughs) to recognize. Yeah. I also liked how she was kind of talking about being in one of the businesses where she did a bunch of different roles Mm -hmm. and, you know, then was able to kind of like leave that and get their own start her own yeah start their own business you know and and it's recently i was listening to a podcast or reading a book where that's what they were talking about like this very successful person that's what they did they learned all the roles in a company so that they knew you know they transitioned through from marketing and sales and even in the finance department um so they were well-rounded in business Mm -hmm. and could learn from you know really good people so i was like oh that is very relevant and super interesting that she has that same kind of view and mm-hmm. was able to take that into the world to have a successful business. Yeah. And one of the notes um, I took away from what she said, you know, in terms of gauging how much risk is too much risk when she said, you know, how much loss are you comfortable with? Are you yeah. able to rebound if you have to take a loss? And that I think is really important to keep in mind like not everything is going to be a success right? right and you know if you're going to you know stop doing something or you're going to make a change if you're moving from one job to another you know what loss are you willing to accept um 
And can you live with? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just had this conversation with my financial advisor last week (laughs) about how much risk I'm able to tolerate. I was like, well, I I own horses, so it's pretty high. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've made some pretty bad investments in them. So. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I do think. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, I'm never buying a horse. Are you kidding me? They're a terrible investment. They aren't an investment. It's just throwing your money away. It's, it's totally an, a liability, not an asset. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. But it, I mean, it was good to hear that she makes like calculated, you know, it's a calculated risk and before she just dives in. And also, you know, how she makes the decisions herself because, mm-hmm. you know, I often find myself too often asking everybody else's opinion to make mm-hmm. the decision when it really should just be on me. What's my gut telling me? Yeah. How do you feel about it? Yeah. What do you want to do? And I, I wrote down what she said because I, I really loved the way she put it. She said, I give myself the power to make these decisions. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't let anybody else have that power. And that's mm-hmm. so important because, you know, I'm an overthinker. So I'm always like, oh my God, yeah. you ask 10 people, get 10 different answers. Then I'm like, well, what does that mean? And oh gosh, like, am I going to offend so-and-so mm. if I don't go down this path or that path? Or And it's like, well, why do I care about offending them? It's what's, if it's not good for me, then it's, it's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the one who has to live with it. Yeah. And with that decision you make and how it affects your life. So, you know, it should be up to you. Yeah. And I feel like she is very clear uh, about that and, Mm -hmm. you know, and had a really good path to success in in multiple businesses. I also found it interesting that, you know, the restaurant to technology. I, right? I was, I'm glad that she explained that because I was a little bit lost when I was reading the bio and, yeah. you know, coming up with some questions and stuff. And I was like, how does this relate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, it it's funny, you know, maybe people outside looking in don't see the connections, but she for sure knew what the connections were right away. And she wasn't like, yeah. oh, I just, you know, saw it on a whim. She was like, no, I I went out and I learned about it because I saw that it was the future. So yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I really enjoyed her. I I like people who have that entrepreneurial spirit and they have so much to offer everybody, you Mm -hmm. know, about it. And also it's an inspiration to listen to somebody like her who has just like gone for it. You Mm -hmm. know, they just do it. (laughs) Yeah. She kind of, Reminds me a little bit of uh, our friend Maria, the way that she talked about, well, yeah, I'm just going to do it because I know what's what it's going to what's going to be good for me. And I'm interested in it and I care about it. So I'm going to do it. You know, it's like, (laughs) all right. Yeah. You're that type of person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not the same as us. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I admire those kind of people. Mm, Me too. Yeah. So I know we both have some pretty busy schedules and things going on. So I think we're going to have to hop off and on to our next adventures for the day. So you can find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. 
Now go make the decision yourself. 